All right, guys. So Jess kind of started last week. She said, uh, actually, she started this morning. She said, who went home and, and talked to their mom, their parents, about the subject that we were on last week? Who went home? Just give me a show of hands who went home. Great, great. So I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown. <clears throat> last week, Jessica started a, a, a conversation about sin, right? And just not, just not sin in general, but she started a conversation on personal sin. I want you guys to highlight what I'm saying through the personal comment. Personal sins. It means sins that are what? Personal, personal to you. And we got on the subject of, of music, and you guys like flipped your lids, and I, I like it. it. It's good. I really do like it, because it shows where you are. It shows where your heart is at the moment in time. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, so don't say I am, okay? And, and also on top of that, on top of music, we hit some, some kind of social norms in movies, right? Did we not touch base on movies a little bit? And on top of movies, you know, we... Uh, we just kind of started picking some things apart in our life that I, I never knew was an issue or I never knew was a, a, such a broad topic as what it is. So this morning we're going to dive into it a little bit. And uh, last night when, or last week when Jess was teaching you guys, how many just by a show of hands completely disagreed with what Jess taught? Okay, awesome. Okay, completely disagreed. Why? Okay, I don't need an answer. I just want you to think about it yourself. Okay. But what we did is that we started looking at a biblical view of sin. We started looking at a biblical view of falling short to God's standards and, and, and what he wants from us. Now, I want you guys to remember, what did I say about these sins that sit on this board? Personal, Personal sins. Okay, and I also want to kind of, I want to support my teachers right now in front of all of you guys with we come together, and when, when I teach, or not when I teach my teachers, but when we have meetings, I always, and you can ask them if, if they remember, I always tell them, teach bold, right? Because Jesus taught a bold message. Jesus taught a message that went against the social norms of his time, right or wrong. Right. So when I meet with my teachers, I say, guys, push the envelope, son. Let's not give these youth in our room a watered-down version of Christianity. Let's not do it. Why? Because I personally believe that it's through repentance that we find our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we preach a message of God loves you no matter what you do, and we leave out the cross and the blood of Jesus, there's no salvation. Salvation is through the sanctification process, right? That's God changing you so you guys are you guys accept Jesus Christ, and then when you accept Jesus Christ, it starts a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What was the word I just said? Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a sanctification process. And the sanctification process is Jesus changing you. Right, So when you guys, when we find Christ, when we find salvation, you have a heart change. And then slowly, God will start revealing himself to you in ways in your heart to where you start observing the things going on around you. And you start saying, this isn't good, and that's not good, and that's not good. And then we start evolving in our relationship with Christ. This evolving is the sanctification process to where you look back where you were a year ago and you go, I'm no longer in that same spot. Do we agree? Can we say that as Christians that we agree with this? Yes. Okay. I, I like this. Now, when we get together and as teachers and I tell them to, uh, to teach boldly, why? I have to ask you guys why. Why is it good that a teacher teaches boldly? The world's going to go against a bold message. Amen on that, Donald. Stand up for yourself or stand up for the Bible. Stand up for God's written word. Which is hopefully the Bible. Go ahead, make it quick. I like that as well. I like that a lot. Way to be, Antoine. 
I tell my teachers, guys, by preaching a bold message, right? When you come up to a math problem and this math problem like hits you in the face and you don't know how to do it, what do you have to do? You have to apply yourself at it. And by you guys applying yourself to it, what's it doing when you start applying yourself to that math problem? You start learning it. And when you start learning it, then you guys get to a, a spot of being comfortable. You're like, hey, I've arrived, right? So if we preach the same message, if we teach the same message time and time again, you guys will eventually be like, dude, I know this. I know this. I'm not learning nothing. I love to learn. Every now and then, Emily will call me home from, from work, and she'll be like, dude, I need help with this math problem. And I'm like, dude, that's... I can't do that. So I'm like on the internet, like looking up, trying to how to divide fractions and multiply stuff. Right. But I'm learning. And through, through her education, I am learning things. Right. Pretty amazed with it, to be honest with you. So check this out, guys. This is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to step back into the subject of sin. We're gonna, we're, and we're just not going to step into it. We're going to jump like... Both feet in. So I want you guys, do me a favor real quick, stand up. I want you guys to reach up like this and stretch. All right, what are you guys doing? You're stretching your mental capacity right now. Now sit down, guys. Here we go. Okay? I'm going to, so what I had to do is, is I had to get out my theology books. I had to get out my theology books. Because I was looking, I was personally looking for a definition of theology or of, um, of sin that met a doctrinal view. And I have two different theologians, okay? A theologian is someone that studies like the Word of God, right? Theology is the, the science of God. So then they, they look back of it. And now we got two theologians. We have Miller J. Erickson, who is amazing. And uh, then we have theologian Wayne Grudem, which if any of you guys know anything yet, Wayne Grudem is a Calvinist. He's kind of a different viewpoint. We'll get into that later. But check out what Millard J. Erickson says about sin. It's five points. It's not just one. It's not a brief definition. It's five points of sin. So like I said before we got started, I really want you guys to view this lesson with your own heart because we are seeking a what? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Not a universal, but a personal. And it's in this personal relationship that we change. Check this out. This is theologian Millard J. Erickson. Sin is an inward, inward inclination. Sin is not merely wrong acts, but sinfulness as well. Sin is an inner disposition inclining us to wrong acts, which means that we have this nature inside of us that wants to sin, right? That's all that means. Sin in its finest essence is rebelliousness and disobedience. What are we searching for right now? Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Sin entails spiritual disability. Did you understand that one? If we're sinning, right, you're going to be spiritually disabled, which means you're chopping your legs off. Sin is incom incomplete fulfillment of God's standards, which is this. Incomplete fulfillment of God's standards like this. Who remembers Saul when he went in and uh, Samuel told Saul, hey, you need to go. You're killing everybody, right? You're killing everything. And what did Saul do? He kept some things, right? Now check this out. By keeping some things is not bad, but it went against what God had commanded him to do. So what did he do? He sinned. So in essence of him keeping the finest things for God in itself wasn't a sin, but it was a sin because he went against what God told him to do. Do you guys track with me on that? So if God's telling you to do something and you do it halfway like, hey, God said, um, we're going to go down to the strip and we are going to evangelize the strip. God called us to the strip. We're going down there, right? We're going to stand in front of the MGM, and we're going to be like preaching the word. But on the way there, we stop at In-N-Out, and we start preaching the word at In-N-Out. Did we do what God commanded us to do? No. God called to preach the gospel on the strip. God didn't tell us to preach the gospel at In-N-Out. 
in itself is preaching the gospel at in and out a bad thing? No. 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 But you were called to what? Preach the gospel in front of the gold lion on MGM, right? So I just think about standing on that gold lion like one would be like, right? But check this out. Now the next one is this. Sin is displacement of God. Some of us fall into this category where we say, you know what? Um, I don't, you know, I really don't believe in God. I don't. And then on top of not believing in God, I'm just going to, you know, instead of worshiping God, the creator, we're going to worship his creation. This is spoke about in Romans. Right, so we're putting something else in God's place. And then here's the other view. Wayne Grudem has a simpler definition. It says that sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. Act, attitude, nature. The attitude encompasses us, right? Act encompasses us. Nature encompasses us. Act Attitude, nature. I like that. Donald, go ahead, brother. What do you mean by nature? Could you nature can have two different standpoints. Nature, uh, for one, with Grudem's standpoint, means that we have a sinful nature, right? We have an inner, uh, we have inner windings inside of us that that draws us to sinning. Okay, nature. So. What he means by that nature is the fact of we're children of wrath. Who believes we're children of wrath? It's in the Bible. Which means that when you guys are born into this world, you have a natural ability to sin against what God is telling you to do or about what God's standards are. You are children of wrath, right? And by being children of wrath, it goes into the, there's, there's none sinless, no, not one, in Romans, none righteous. So you see the big spectrum of sin now, right? Like, are you guys tracking with me? By looking at this big nature of sin, it encompasses everything written on that board in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What's the word I just said? Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Check this out. Biblical examples of sin are limitless. Peter and his three denials. Raise your hand if you remember Peter and his three denials. Was that sin? Yes, he denied, he denied Christ. Right? I like this. Thomas and his doubting. When Thomas is like, I'll believe that Jesus rose when I can put my hand through his, or my finger through the hole in his hand. Right? And then you have King Saul not listening to instruction and wanting to go in and he saved the women and the, the good livestock when he was instructed to stay back. Right? This is a bigger one. Saul from Tarsus, who remembers that? He persecuted the church. Not only did he persecute the church, he actually had people put in prison for the church, had people killed because of the church, because he stood in opposition, Adam and Eve in the garden. Who remembers that one? Just a little bit of don't eat from the what? Garden. Don't eat from the tree. Don't eat from the tree. Come back with me. Don't eat from the tree. Don't eat from the tree. How about Jacob and his deceiving, right? Who remembers that one? We actually taught on that one. King David and his affair. I like King David and his affair because not only did he sleep with his best friend's wife, then he sent his best friend out to a dangerous spot in war to have him killed. So not only is he an adulterer, he's also a what? A murderer. Levi being a tax collector. He was ripping off his own people. Who remembers that one? They're like, dude, you're going to hang out with a tax collector? Jesus, I can't believe you. How about, I like this one too, how about Ananias and his wife when they sold everything they had, but then they went to go give it to God, and instead of giving all of it, they only gave part of it. So here it is, like God said, God didn't say, they, they were, they had this inward inclination to sell their belongings because the church was moving, right? And they sold their stuff, that all of a sudden when they were getting ready to give the stuff, they kept part of it for themselves. And what happened to Ananias? Dead. What happened to his wife? Dead. 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 Okay. And what did they do? Right? The intent was right. They gave some money to God. Giving money to God's a good thing. But not giving everything that he's instructed you to do in your personal relationship with God is ultimately a sin. You guys tracking with me? Five by five? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Am I hitting nerves yet? Am I touching anybody's feelers? 
because this should be touching a lot of people's feelers. Why? Because some of these things right here has convicted me when I put this lesson together. We should always come to God's word looking for our heart to be changed by what it's saying. If we walk into God's word and we go, you know what? No matter who's teaching, I've already read this. I've already heard 15 sermons on this. I can't get nothing else from it. What have you done? You've closed your mind off to the living God. Heart. So check this out. We're going to start unpacking this. And we're going to hit first Galatians 5, 16 through 25. And so open your Bible then. That was a long introduction, guys. Open your Bible to Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. Did I say first Galatians? Sorry, first Galatians 5. I got a lot of thoughts running through my head right now. We're at Galatians 5. So we do have some scripture to start ripping into today. We have quite a bit of it actually to support this, this cause. Hey, Jess, just so you know, I just now realized that we might be out of red ink in our printer because I got no red ink on my notes. Chapter 5. So when I tell you guys that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to emphasize one thing, that if we don't have Jesus Christ, we can't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, ultimately it comes down to your heart not accepting who he is. Do you understand that comment? Which means you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your life, so therefore the Holy Spirit hasn't ascended from heaven to dwell down upon you. And if the the Holy Spirit's not dwelt inside of you guys, there's going to be no conviction of the things on the outside, right? Which means this, basically, if we look at things in general and we're not bothered by people saying, uh, like, simple, if your skin doesn't move a little bit when someone throws out the Lord's name in vain, Right? You should be like, ooh, like I feel that one. Right? Because it's, it's the cost that Jesus paid on the cross for us. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you guys don't have a personal walk. And that's what we're going to look at right now. And then we're going to get into this big old path of stuff. So pick up with me right now. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Now, I told you guys that I had some conviction when I put this lesson together, right? So here it is. I'm going to get it out in the open. Donald, my eyes are on you now. Last week you asked a question and I was boastful in front of you and I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. And I mean that. From the depths of my heart. I'm sorry. That's good. I do. Now listen. When I put this together and I was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh, I actually told Jess on Monday, I think. I was like, you know what? I was wrong. And by me taking a wrong approach at Donald when I said something, whether he witnessed it or knew it or not, I picked up on it. My wife picked up on it, and therefore I could have made Donald stumble. So therefore I sinned against my brother, and I'm sorry. Listen, you guys know I'm an underlying, underlining type of guy, so get your pen out, and you're going to underline these. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover, so you're going to have to track fast, okay? In verse 16, in verse 16, I want you to underline, walk 
by the Spirit. Underline it, circle it. I like the emphasis of circling, which means when it, I underline everything in my Bible. So when I see something circled, I'm like, oh, stop the truck. What did I circle, right? So walk by the Spirit. If you're not in your Bible and you're using the church's Bible, circle it anyways because somebody's going to need to see it someday. Okay? So in verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit. My ver- another version says, in the Spirit. In verse 18, underline, be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. It's hot in here, okay? Be led by the Spirit. In verse 25a and 25b, there's two of them. It says to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 25, it says to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. You. You're welcome. The Spirit of God is what powers the believer in the relationship with God. The Spirit empowers. It's the, it's the energization. I get excited when I go into a, my job and I have to turn lights on in a building. There's nothing better than like flicking a switch, and it goes poof, and it lights up, right? Now think about that. You guys are this dark light, and the Spirit of God flicks a switch in your head, and it goes poof, it lights up, right? All of a sudden, your sin is no longer in the darkness, but you're seeing it in front of you. God has illuminated your sin in your life to where you guys can go, I have to change. Think of it like this. When I turn lights on, it's called troubleshooting. I turn a row of lights on, like 10 will work, and I'm like, sweet. And I turn the corner, I'm like, oh, that don't work. Somewhere along the lines, someone messed up. And because I'm the boss, it's me that usually messes up because I'm the one that tells everybody what to do. Right? So, hey, I need you to tie this circuit in like this and blah, blah. And if it doesn't get done... A leader can simply say it's your fault or they can admit that it's their fault. Anything that goes wrong on my job is my fault. Anything that God has illuminated in your life as a sinful action in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is under your responsibility to act upon what he's telling you and start changing. Mine. Music. Let me expand on this. Put your claws back in for a second. Mine was music. I always listened to like heavy metal, scream metal. The louder, the better. Ask Jess. I used to play in a band that was scream metal. Then when I became a Christian, I was like, you know, Lamb of God singing against God is not necessarily a good thing for me to be listening to. Right? I see Christians wear the shirts of Pierce the Veil, the band Pierce the Veil. Do you guys have any understanding what Pierce the Veil means? I found out about Jesus that. Christ is the veil, right? He's the veil. So we're piercing the veil. We're ultimately talking about piercing Jesus Christ. It's a good thing if you seek your salvation through the through the what? Through the punishment that he got put through. But to say it's a cool thing that, hey, Jesus Christ was murdered. Ha, huh? cool bad thing you understand so when I became a Christian and I switched from Lamb of God I went to a band called the Devil Wears Prada which is a Christian band signed to a Christian label and then after like three years I started listening to it and I couldn't figure out why I was all angry and wanted to like punch holes in the wall it's because I was listening to this person screaming in my ears all day long and when somebody would say something to me I was like mic drop let's go Because that's what I was bringing into myself. Now, that is my personal conviction in my relationship with Jesus. Do you get it? If you guys, and I say you guys, if you guys are okay with listening to music that is filled with foul language, if you're okay listening to music that sings against Jesus Christ. Let me explain this. That right there is a sin. Now, if you listen to music, piano music, if you listen to 
I looked up lyrics from Drake. I read all about them. I was intrigued, right? And no, I don't agree. But one day I'll pray that God illuminates that to you and you might change. I can't tell you what music to listen to. I can't. But God can. And to listen to music that's full of foul language, check this out. Who's ever walked out of the house heard a song playing, and that was stuck in your head the rest of the day. <laughs> right? Now check this out. If you walk out of the house and you pick up on whoever, I'm not going to name drop because then people are going to be like, I'm out of here. Brooks is talking about my band, right? He's my favorite. But if, if you walk out of the house and that's the last thing you listen to and that song's stuck in your head all day long, what has your attention? God or the message in that song? Check this out, okay? The idea of walking is best explained with the emphasis of explaining the walk. Okay, so listen. By definition, to walk in the Spirit is an everyday action. The walk of a Christian encompasses the whole life in its entirety. So if you're a Christian, you have some kind of walk, okay? Which means you have some kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, whether you've been here a month, Six months, a year, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, whatever, right? Maybe you're 150-something like Moses, and you're like, man, I've been hanging out with God for 89 years. Whatever it is, right? You guys have some type of relationship, some type of walk with Jesus Christ, right? And in this walk, okay, the walk of a Christian is occupying. It occupies the thoughts, the actions, and the attributes of your life, which means... Your Christian walk encompasses you daily. The effects of this walk around you, does it, does it, does my physical walk, my spiritual walk with Jesus Christ have an effect on you guys? Yes or no? Yes. As a teacher, yes. Okay. Why only as a teacher? Because last time I checked, if you're a Christian, you're engaging with the lost on an every day basis at school and if you walk like him and you talk like him I'm not going to say you are him but what I'm going to say is that that non-believing guy is going to look at you when he finds out that you're a Christian and he's going to size himself up very quickly against you and he's going to draw this thing in his head he says he's a Christian but he does the exact same things I do I don't need God. Check this. Go to 1 John, okay? 1 John. It's in the back. So while you guys are looking for that, I'm going to give you 1 Peter 2.1. 1 Peter 2.1 says, Therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the world, or of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Which means, guys, to put it really, really nicely, when we come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, we should start setting things down that are of the world. And listen... Now, listen to me. 1 John 1, verses 6 through 7 says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Right? 1 John 2, 6 says, By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Now, as Christians, don't compare your life to me. Compare your life not to your dad, not to your mom, not to your baby sisters, cousins, uncles, nieces, nephew. Compare your life to Jesus Christ. Compare your life to Jesus Christ. We should always be viewing our personal life through the lens of faith, looking back at Jesus Christ and the, Jesus Christ and the cross. So if we start looking like this, everybody do this, right? If we start looking like this at our life, tell me you can't look back at your life right now and see some sin in your life that you need to get rid of. Tell me that. Tell me you can, you not looking at, looking at your life, think about it. I like, 
all my sixth graders are doing it. They're not too proud. I love it. I love you guys. All right? I love you guys. Okay? Think about viewing your own life into the standards, the standards that Jesus Christ laid down. If you can't see things in your life that need to be adjusted or fixed, maybe we don't have a relationship with Christ after all. I can look at my life and say, I fell short that day. I'll admit to you guys again, this week was a hard week, man. The flesh was fighting against the spirit so bad this week. And I probably, I don't think I read my Bible on, um, might have been, no, I read it on Tuesday, but it was like a minute. It was like, good, got you, God, high-fived and walk out the door. Then Thursday came after youth group Wednesday night, and I was like, oh, I'm so tired. Good, we're out of here. I failed this week in my Christian walk when it comes to things like that because God has convicted me of more. Is sin starting to come into shade now? I'm not pushing what I, what my convictions are. What I'm pushing is my personal relationship in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. So check this out. Philippians 4. Go to Philippians 4. First Philippians. If you find second Philippians, you got the wrong Bible. Okay? (laughs) Philippians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay? Colossians. Go eat popcorn. I remember those books with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, here we go. You guys there? 4-8. You guys are going to have to listen quicker because we're running out of time, so give me your ears. You guys got to listen quicker, okay? Check this out. Okay, we're going to read this real quick. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard, seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want you guys to pick up on these real quick. Listen to what it says. Look, I'm into underlining, so you guys are going to underline this too, okay? Here it is. Whatever is true, I'm going to give you the definition of true. Just listen. You just underline the word. Truth means dependability or truthfulness, right? Whatever is honorable means worthy of respect. So is it honorable in your head? Is it worthy of respect? If it's worthy of respect, then we should be meditating on it. We should be dwelling on it, right? Whatever is true. Oh, I already said that one, okay? Whatever is right implies giving to God and people of justice, which means giving to God. Giving to God, not just financially, but giving to God means I'm going to give God. I'm going to give you my heart. Lord, you're going to do what you want with it, right? Whatever is pure. Now, I love this word pure because it's in relationship to God. Whatever is lovely, a person should be, I like this one, a person should be attractive, just not in a physical sense. Which means, I love this, and this kicked me around a little bit. Whatever is of good repute means a good reputation. And if anything is worthy of praise, worthy of praising God, dwell on these things. So now, the things in your life, think about it real, real quick. Is it on the level of worthiness of praising God? Right? Whatever they are, is it worthy of praising God? Is, is what we're doing on the level of praising God? Like, are we going to be like, man... Like me, I was not like the devil wears Prada is on the same level as praising God. No, not even close. Is what I'm doing with my friends worthy of praising God? Is it encompassing my whole being? Is my relationship with my girlfriend, is my relationship with my friends, is my relationship with God worthy of the holiness that he's put on me? You tell me, well, I'm not holy. Check this out. First Peter... 2, 9-12 says, but you are a chosen race. Who remembers this? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him 
who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I'm going to say this. Who remembers Glorietta that went last year? Who remembers the feeling they had when all of the distractions in our life was taken out? And come day two, we were standing, we had fellowship with one another, we had fellowship with God. You know why? Because all you were taken in was stuff that was holy, right? Let's read it again. In Glorietta, you were taken in what was true, what was honorable, what was right, what was pure, what was lovely, whatever is of good repute, excellency, right? Worthy of praise. We were dwelling on these things because we were there five days and it encompassed us. It covered us up. It covered us up. And there was none of this stuff. There was none of this to where you guys felt disjointed in your relationship with God. Why? Because he took your mind, got all the other stuff out, and it was you and Jesus Christ. That's what it was. And we say that things that we encounter on a day-to-day basis don't bother us. I would disagree because in Glorietta, you guys were living proof of when you were taken out of the world, something big happened, right? Actually, it says this, do not be, what, conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sin is sin. Here you go, get your recorder out. It is not gray. It is black. It is white. Sin is sin. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, by golly, it's a duck. It's sin. And when we start looking at things in our life and we say it's not that bad or it's, it could be worse, we're justifying the sin in our life. In your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We pushed back on these sins on the board. Not this category, because they were broad, but this category. Now listen, some of you guys may not be convicted over backbiting. Why? Because you don't backbite. Some of you guys may not be jealous. Some of you guys may not have a problem with submission or sex or disbelief, drugs, pot, smoking, idle, laziness, lust, porn, pride, disobedience, gossip, curse, music, movies, attitude, anger. Some of you guys may not deal with that. But somebody in this room deals with backbiting. And that's a sin to them, right? That's a sin in general. Jealousy, submission, disbelief, laziness, pride. That's me. I think I might even have said that. And then I, then I, disobedience, gossip, curse. Maybe some of you guys aren't stumbled by hearing people cuss. I am. You know why? Because I used to cuss like a sailor. I'm very, I could easily probably get stumbled by hanging out with my old friends that drink. Why? Because I struggle with drinking. But I can't listen to music with a lot of foul words in it. Why? I struggle when I start hearing cuss words. My natural inclination, I'm, I'm compelled on the inside. I just, I can't control. I'm like, I, I want to say something. Right? Because I used to think like nothing emphasizes a sentence more than dropping the F-bomb. You're like, boom, how you like that, right? But seriously, some of you guys may not struggle with all those. And I pray that you don't. But some of you guys probably do struggle with some of these. And as a believer in Jesus Christ and your personal relationship with him, if he convicts you and you don't change from it, you're sinning. But you're saying it's not about you, it's about me. And that's sin in its essence. It's sin. I used to tell people when I'd get close to Jesus, before I became what he's made me today, because it's all about him. When I used to grow near the Lord, I'd get an anger issue, like bad. Like Jess remembers this, I'd get an anger issue, and I'd be like, I just want to... Somebody would say something, I'm just like, I just want to to shake you. It's my anger. 
right? So I probably couldn't hang out with a bunch of people that were, you know, UFC fighters that are like, dude, got to be so angry, you know, to go out and perform. Like I couldn't do it because I'd be like, man, I want to smash everybody all of a sudden, right? I'd, I'm a hyperactive person. I need to hang out with some people that are like cool, calm, and collective. Cool as a cucumber on an iceberg in the Antarctic, right? Like chilling. That's who I need to hang out with because I'm a hyperactive guy. So if I were to hang out with someone else like me, like we'd probably get in trouble, I'm just saying, me and Antoine would probably burn Vegas down. I am hyper, so therefore I probably can't deal with people that are like that. But listen to me before I lose you. It is God's conviction on my heart. It's the relationship I have with Jesus Christ that's flowing out that makes me realize I can't hang out with these people makes me realize I can't listen to that music. makes me realize I can't watch those movies. It shows me my boundaries that I have. And a lot of us, a lot of us have looked at things in our life or seen so much stuff, like that song said by Casting Crowns, it's a slow fade. We see things in our life and we know it's wrong, but we justify the sin, we justify the action, and then you start doing it so much and you start justifying it so much that you become numb to the whole thing, and then you don't know if Christ is speaking to you or not. You're just like, this is how I've been. Every day you guys were in your word at Glorietta. Every day you guys had... Some amazing lessons come in your direction. Amazing lessons, right? And then we leave there. We don't get in our word no more. We read the Bible maybe once a week, and then we realize why we struggle. Because we're sinning against God and what he's called us to do, plain and simple. We are called to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a relationship with Jesus Christ is based on an everyday thing. You want to be strong in that relationship? Meet with them. Talk to them. Pray with them. You want to know what things need to change in your life? Meet with them. Talk to them. Listen for them. You know, even if we have a strong prayer life, but we have a weak listening life that's still sinning because we're not stopping to listen to what God has to say to us. We answer the call of salvation. We're baptized as believers, but then after we're baptized, we come out of that water. A lot of us go into this thing of we're closing off our ears because we're good. We feel like we've arrived. A believer should follow the entire body of Scripture when it comes to sin also. Romans 12, 9 says, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Amos 5, 15 says, Hate evil, love God. I like what Jesus said. Jesus said, If you're a... Uh, if you're, I think it's if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off, right? If your, left hand, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your left eye causes you to sin, rip it out. It's talking about cutting the action off that's making you stumble. That's sin. That's sin, right? Now check this. Go to Romans 12. I've got to close this out real quick. Romans 12. Romans 12. Maybe I should turn there too if I'm telling you to go there, huh? Romans 12. We're going to end in Romans, so just stay there, right? Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, I urge you. This word urge means coming alongside you, right? I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Check this out. I'm going to ask another question that might make some of you guys stumble. Is it a sin to get tattooed? Uh, think about it. Listen, is it a sin to get tattooed? No. I love this. You ready? Check this out. Let me give my, hold your thought. We'll talk about this again. What did I say at the beginning? Personal conviction. Now, I can make the case that your body is a temple of God. So therefore, we should treat the temple kindly. Well, me, right now, I'm expanding my temple. I've gained like 85 pounds or something, right? But me, I have not been tattooed since I found Christ. Why? 
because I have personal conviction of it. Do you get my point yet? Personal conviction. Who said no? How? I can teach you again if you want to stay behind. I don't have to go service. I can go again. Okay, here's another one. Here's another one. I love this one. Go to verse 14 or chapter 14. You guys right here on chapter 14 and 15 of Romans, I want you guys to take this home and read it. I hope you do. I actually, I'm urging you to. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions, which means this, guys. Right? I'm not going to pass any judgment on you guys, and I haven't thus far. If you can watch scary movies, if you can, if you can abide in filthy music, if you, can, uh, if you can have relationships with people you shouldn't, do things that you shouldn't, this and that, right? God is going to convict you of that. I pray one day he does. But on top of that conviction, on top of that, guys, I'm not going to pass judgment on you. I'm still going to love you. I'm going to love you endlessly, right? So listen, one per- person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak can eats vegetables only. You guys understand this? It's talking about getting on the same level with people like this. Ready? This is an instance. Like it would be rude of you to come to my house if you were old enough and be like, hey, I brought a six-pack of beer. Why? Because I struggle with being an alcoholic. But that in itself, for you, you may not have that conviction of it. But for me, if you were to bring that over to my house, you would cause me to trip. So this is what he's saying here in chapter 14. Listen, it says this. It says, uh, The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. So if you go into 15, go over to chapter 15. Now we are strong. Now we who are strong ought to... This is verse 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who out of strength and not just please ourselves... Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. So this is saying, you guys remember Pastor uh, Afshin from the first Glorietta trip when he said that his dad was a Muslim and that he was a Christian. And he said very, he could very well meet with his dad and eat bacon. Muslims don't eat pig, right? So he very well could go and eat bacon in front of his dad, but he didn't. Why? Out of respect. And out of that respect is, Afshin was clear of that sin. He could have done what he wanted to. But he didn't because he was trying to set the example for his dad of a Christian, right? He was getting on his level. Now, we're Christians. To the lost, we should probably be getting on their level and not have this thing of that we're over their head and we can do what we want. We should be getting on their level. So if a Christian, if a, if a lost person views you as a Christian, he's going to look at your walk. And if he's looking at your walk, he's going to start comparing you to him. And in this process, shouldn't we set the example? That's what it's saying. So just because we're able to do things doesn't mean that that's what we should do because we can cause someone else to stumble. So this is how we're going to close. I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to pick back up on this verse that Jess was in last week. It says this. The biblical view, this is my words now, the biblical view is to protect your hearts. Right? Because your heart, your heart is what? The livelihood of your whole body. Right? Because if you have no heart, you've got no blood going to your extremities. Right? You can't do nothing. So if your heart is the livelihood, right, if this is the thing that pumps all throughout our body and keeps our body going, this is what the prophet Joel proclaimed in Joel 2.13 when he says, rend your heart and not your garments. He's saying, rip your heart for God. Let him in, right? View yourself through the lens of what he's saying and rip your heart open and give it to him. 
Too often we can rip our clothes and say we're changed. Like, I'll use it like this. Think of how many people come to Christ, and then after they come to Christ, it's a, it's a physical reaction to a spiritual calling, and they never let God come in. They never let God change, and then they leave the church, and they act exactly the way they were before they arrived. We can look at this years, two years, three years, and they've went exactly. They've never changed because that was a physical response to a spiritual calling. So I tell you guys this, if you haven't done it, you need to do it. You need to rip your heart for God and give it to him. We've built calluses up to where we are like, you know, we're good with where we are. We're good with this relationship and we're not going to change. You know what? Rip the callus off your heart and grow and grow. It's like when Jesus told, I think it was Peter, when he said that, that Satan has asked to sift you, right? He's going to He's going to hit him hard. He's going to see if he stands up to the test. He's going to see, like Job, what happened to Job? He lost all of his stuff, right? And he never sinned against God because his heart was right. But when things go bad, we like to blame God instead of blaming ourselves, but we're the ones living this lifestyle. So rend your heart, rip your heart, your, not your garments. And God is gracious and he'll restore you. And through that relationship that you guys have with Jesus Christ, these things will start changing, and then you'll start viewing your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll start seeing sin as sin, and you'll start acting upon it if we open our hearts to God and the change that he's going to bring in. So I'm going to close like this. Go ahead and close your eyes, guys. If you've never, if you've never ripped your heart to God, if you've never ripped your heart open and said, God, this is... This is for you. It's not for me. I would encourage you, don't wait, because you know what? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And if you guys have personal sin in your life, if you have big sin in your life that isn't personal, they're, they're outright boasting against God, and you're shaking your fist at them, and you're doing what you want to do, I encourage you, I urge you, I will come alongside you, I will be there for you, give it to God. Give it to God because if there's no ripping of the heart, there's no new growth. And if there's no new growth, you know what? Many people are going to come to Jesus at the last day and say, but Jesus, I knew you. And he's going to look at you and say, away from me because I don't know you. Because we never, ever ripped our heart and answered the call of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you guys a second to respond to the Lord. Respond on your heart. If you need someone to pray with you, there's four leaders in here. If you need someone to uh, just talk to you or encourage you or come beside you, now's the time to act on it.